we're in the second part of a sermon series called How to Get Other People to Change. And uh, I, I am so excited about this, and I really hope that you'll come for all of it because it's building on each piece. Um, last week, we looked at burdens versus loads. If you were here, maybe you remember that, that the idea that we are supposed to bear one another's burdens in the Christian family, in the church. We're supposed to carry what is too heavy for somebody else to carry, but that each of us is supposed to carry our own load. And uh, so that's just this basic principle that we're not supposed to do everything for everybody else. You know, and, and that's a hard thing to navigate sometimes. Um, today we're going to start, and really the rest of the sermon series, we're going to be in Matthew 7, uh, the first few verses, uh, or really the first half of the chapter. Uh, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. I would just strongly advise you, if you're an actual follower of Jesus, if you consider yourself a Christian or a disciple of Jesus, you ought to read the, the Sermon on the Mount very regularly. And that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So just as like if you're looking for something to study, I'd read the whole thing a lot. Because the Sermon on the Mount, in my opinion, is a logical framework of Jesus' teaching and it builds on itself. Does this make sense what I'm saying? Like you have to go Matthew 5 in order to really practice Matthew 6. And say we're jumping into Matthew 7 and I'm not going to like try to teach the whole Sermon on the Mount today. But I would invite you to go back and study Matthew 5, 6, and 7 for the next several weeks because we're going to be hammering home in Matthew 7. But it assumes that you're a Christian. I know every one of you here today might not be a Christian. You might be wondering about this. But this will still, I think there's still some application for all of us, whether you say you're a follower of Jesus or not. But these teachings are really for disciples who have given their lives to Jesus. Does this make sense, what I'm saying? Okay. So let's, um, let's stand in body and in spirit for the reading of the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, uh, beginning in chapter 7, the first, uh, I don't remember how many verses. Five? Five verses? Yes. All right, cool. Thanks, Cal. <laughs> Hear God's word. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Y'all heard that before? Pretty famous teaching of Jesus. Uh, it's even gotten into the wider culture. Like, hey, you're not supposed to judge. Jesus says don't ju You know, like, that's sort of like what Christians get told a lot of times by the culture is, 
hey, I thought y'all aren't supposed to judge. And, and just as an aside, doesn't it seem like that the Christianity is doing a lot of trying to correct the world? You know what I'm saying? And I think then the, the world likes to push back. How many of you like it when somebody else points out your faults? Show of hands. Everyone raise your hand. Who, we all love criticism. Oh, I just love it. Don't you? Constructive feedback. Right. So, and yet, I, love, I, I just love Jesus. I love this teaching. It's so brilliant. I'm so jealous of his preaching ability. I think he had help. I'm glad some of you got that. That's good. All right. Yeah, I mean, like, in, in that short of, I mean, how short is that? And he's just like, boom. I mean, like, mic drop. Sit down. Does anybody disagree with this? T- like, I guess what I should say. Do you need me to explain this to you? Do you need me to convince you of the reality of this? Right? I mean, that's how great this teaching is, is Jesus says, don't judge. And we're all going, well, I don't judge. Why do you look at the speck in your neighbor's eye when you don't see the plank? And how many of us go right there? We go, yep. How does he know? How does he know that I do that? How does he know that you do that? Because we can't help it. I notice the fault in my family, in my parents, in my spouse, in my kids, in my coworkers, in my strangers I meet. I mean, people in the restaurant. I mean... I can pick out the speck in your eye. I'm really good at that. Aren't you? I'm not judging, but I will notice fruit. Jesus did say to watch ye therefore. Do you see how we, don't you see how we, we try to use the Scriptures to justify what is actually ju- a judgmental or a critical spirit, Right? And we'll say, well, Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. And I'm just noticing the fruit. Thank you very much. Right? Sorry, I'm doing a little bit of church lady. Uh, any, no? Am I missing my audience here? Any, any people that will admit they watched Dana Carvey? Okay. Great comedian. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, this is so true. We notice the speck. And, I, and then Jesus just... You would think it would be, like if I'd have done this, I would have said, why do you notice the log in your neighbor's eye when you don't notice the speck in your own eye? If you'll take out the, you see what I mean? I would have done it where obviously they have a log in their eye. And I mean, maybe I have a speck, but it's just a speck. I mean, I used to have a log and now I've only got a speck. And that's why I'm really good at helping other people with their tremendous issues that are poking out of their eye. But no, what does he do? He hurts my feelings. Why do you notice the speck? It's a speck. And I want to go, it's not a speck. And this is where I want to get on your side. Some of you have people in your life, and when I do a sermon series that's how to get other people to change, some of you have people in your life that maybe it's more than a speck. Amen? Can, I, can we be okay with the fact that, I, I'm meaning this in love. In love, some of us have people in our life who it's not just a speck, and when we see somebody who is hurting themselves or hurting us, there's collateral damage, it's kids that are being harmed. I mean, right, like, this is not a small thing. So there is, a, I believe, a righteous place 
in which we sometimes do notice what's more than a speck in somebody's eye, and we want them to change for good reasons, not just selfish reasons. Sometimes there are selfish reasons, right? There almost always are, because we're a bundle of mixed motives, and, you know, if we're honest, we, we, we would like for them to change, because our life would be better, too. But we want them to change because it's not right what they're doing, and it's causing damage, etc., etc. Does this make sense? And so, but Jesus tells us, because I started off just a minute ago by saying, how many of you like it when others try to pick at the speck or the log in your eye? And we surveyed 100 people, and 0%, nobody likes it. So you know that it takes a very special person who approaches you probably in a very special way who can ever really help you. I think Jesus is actually telling us in this text for today and in the texts that follow in the rest of Matthew 7 a, a real, how that works. How we can be the kind of people who in love actually help somebody else to change. But he first kind of punches us in the stomach, doesn't he? He pokes us in the eye, maybe. You know, he kind of says, "Why? don't judge. Ugh. Don't judge. In fact, the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So if you're coming at the world with a critical spirit, the reality is there's a critical spirit coming back on you. And so I want grace for myself. So I got to start with this standpoint of it is not my job. It's not my job to judge my neighbor. Now I know some of you are going to quote Paul and say, shall I not judge those within? Can we just put a thumbtack in that and say, let's talk about that later? For the standpoint, for the purpose of today, I do think Paul will bring us back to within the community, and we're going to be talking about that as this goes, okay? But this is more foundational to me, right? Yes, there is a place for us to hold each other accountable, but if you, but if you lead off with, right, if you lead off with, hey, I'm here to hold people accountable, how's that going to work, right? So this is, this is more foundational to say the calling is for us to take off our critical lenses, to take off our judgmental view. But I can't do that. I can't do that. Not on my own. I need God's help. Um, I love, y'all know I love the 12-step movement. I love that, their community. The fourth step in the 12-step movement is it's an unbelievable tool that, and I've taught on this before, and I'll teach on it again anytime anybody wants because I just think it's the best stuff ever. So the fourth, you know, first step is admit you can't do it yourself, and step two is to believe that there's a higher power. Step three is surrender to that power. And then step four is immediately after you surrender, you've got to clean up your insides. You've got to take a moral inventory. This is to getting into the why was I such a mess, what was behind all my behavior, and the very first thing they tell you to do is, because I'm like, oh, gosh, i got to take a moral inventory of myself? Yeah. So the very first thing they tell you to do is, make a list of everybody you're mad at and who hurt you. <laughs> I like this inventory. <laughs> this is good. I don't have to focus on me at all. <laughs> My 
my dad, he let me down, my mom, my teachers, my co- Yeah, and just start making the government, you know, God and everybody in the church was, yeah, and you just vomit it all out on the paper, right? You make a list of everybody that's hurt you and that you're mad at. My boss, if you'd have had my boss, you'd have drunk too. You know, if you had my, right? Y'all tracking with this? And then, the, the, then after you do that, they make you say, this is not as fun. They say, what part of, or, or what did they do that made you angry? Easy. You know, it's like, oh, they did this, they did this, right? We can, we can that's, e- that's easy. But then they make you do this. They make you shift the focus from them back to you. And they say, now for each of these people that you're mad at, or groups that you're mad at, or institutions that you're mad at, and for each of the reasons you're mad at them, now we want to look at what part of yourself did they affect? In other words, why does it bother you so much that your boss or your spouse or your kid or your parent did this or does this? It's complicated, and it takes help. It took me a lot of help showing me how to do this. But they start saying, like, was it your financial security that was threatened? Was it your ambitions? Did it affect your self-esteem? Did it affect your emotional security? Did it affect your fear? Did it affect your pride? And so all of a sudden, you're having to look at, yeah, yeah, it's them, 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 them. It's them, them, them. But that's why I think Jesus says, the measure you use, it'll come back to you. Because all of a sudden I'm seeing, yeah, I'm mad at them, but it was because they stepped on my territory. And really it's about me. I feel like I'm losing you. Are y'all with me at all? We may need to have a class later. I can tell some of you need, we'll have a teaching on this sometime. It's actually online. I, it, it's online. If you go to the website, there's a, there's a section on this and if you want more of this. But, and then after you do that, that you have to pray for all of the people. Ugh, didn't know that was coming. God, help me to see them as spiritually sick, though I don't like their symptoms and the way these disturb me. Help me to show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a friend who has cancer. God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. And you do that over and over and over and over and over for all these people from your past and present who have hurt you. And by God, guess what happens? Guess whose heart changes? Not theirs, but yours. And you start, God heals our hearts. That's why Jesus says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Pray for those who persecute you that's what this is and so we often don't think well the people who persecute us we often think like you know like isis or something and that's a form of persecution for sure if you're living over there right i mean but often the people who persecute us are in our sunday school class right and they've just been so ugly and we have to figure out how to forgive them or they're in our family and we're going to see them at thanksgiving and try not to kill them you know like you know, and like, th- th- right, this is, and so this is how, th- to me, this is, it's like, I don't want to convince you of the reality of taking the, the log out of your own eye, but I'm just saying, for me, I cannot stop focusing on the speck in your eye 
because it bothers me, and I need help to see. Like Jesus says, why do you look at the speck in their eye? And I'm like, because it's obvious, because it's annoying, because it's bothering me. And then, you know, it's like, why do you look at the speck in their eye? Why not first look at the log in your own eye? Because I don't want to, because it's not as fun, because it, it requires work on my part that I really don't want to do. And I've gotten really good at walking with a limp. You know, I'm used to this. I don't have to, I don't want to have to adjust. I don't want to have to deal with my stuff. It's their fault. Right? And so we're so used. In fact, most of the time, the people in your life, they're used to it too. They all do a little dance to deal with the plank in your eye. You do a dance to deal with the plank in their eye, and we call that family. <laughs> right? <coughs> Sorry for my cough. All right, so, so this is the how of it. It's like, what, how do I shift from, from only being focused on the spec to focus on myself? And like, for me, it's some inventory or it's some prayer. Um, but this is the thing. It's like, okay, let's say you've got a, an adult child in your life that's struggling or you've got a friend or a coworker. I mean, I know all of us probably are thinking of somebody in our life that we really do wish we could help them. And maybe we've tried and there's been some attempts and it's not gone well, okay? That's very common. Most of us have that, right? And so what I'm saying is some of the stuff that I'm learning as I'm trying to practice these teachings very imperfectly is I think the brilliance of Jesus' teaching is like when he says, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly. Oh, that is a promise. That is a promise. What a gift that if you and I will go to work on our own hearts and our own habits, instead of being the moral police or the helpers for everybody else, if we'll go to work on that working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? If we'll do that work of trying to, you know, Jesus says, you know, the vine and the branches, staying plugged into the vine, letting Him work on our hearts, letting Him prune the branches that don't, belong that are dead or that are dying like that we'll be able to see more clearly and we'll here's the thing we'll actually be able to help somebody now they might not want it and that's the next verse and we'll look at that next week okay so there's a there's still more caveats okay but but if we don't do this work i, I just don't think you're going to be any help i really don't i just don't think you and I have much of a shot of helping somebody else if we don't do the inner work. This is a, a spiritual law that I have found to be true so much of the time. The things that you notice in somebody else, you generally notice because you have it. If you, want, if you really want to judge people this week, anybody? Come on, here. If you want a pro tip for being judgmental, if you want to be really good at being judgmental, listen to what your coworkers um, complain about other people. God, I'm so sick of them. They are always. And I'm guaranteeing, and this is a little thing. 
just notice this. What we criticize others for is usually a manifestation of something in our heart, often that we're not dealing with. Now, it's manifesting in them in a different way, perhaps, so we can be righteous. Oh, I would never do that. As a pastor, as a teacher, I have to look at this all the time. I meet with people, and and they'll tell me their problem, and I start giving them advice, y'all, This is another pro tip. The advice that you want to give to other people, take it for yourself. So, oh, this is just crazy. So much of the time, what I just feel like I really need to tell Kirk to do, you know, if we're having lunch at Subway and I'm giving him some advice, as I'm driving home, often I'm like, you know what? That advice is for me. It's not always, but the reason is because what I see in somebody else that they're struggling with, this is the log spec continuum. The reason I notice this in you is it's in me. Now, sometimes there might be a real healthy version of this that you've actually dealt with it and you've gotten better at it. But a lot of the times, it's stuff that you uh, haven't dealt with. You see this in some of the crazy churches where they're just, you see a preacher on stage who's just railing against you know, all those homosexuals and their, their filthy sin. And rah, rah. and then, you know, in a, in a month, they're in the paper, right? They were visiting prostitutes. You know, it's like, oh, look at there, right? Do, do you see what I'm saying? Sorry, was that too far? Was that too truthful? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, but we often see that, like, when we get red in the face mad about something, it's often because there is something in that, Something in that that's in us. Does this make sense? Not all the time. Again, there's exceptions to this. So please, this is all generalization. But I'm trying to just mine the territory because it's hard hard for us to see this stuff in the mirror. It's so hard. I can see it in you. I can't see it in me. I can't see jealousy in myself. I can't see, who can see greed? I see greed in other people. Like, it's, you know what I mean? When you see somebody who's greedy, you're like, golly, they're greedy. Do you ever see yourself as greedy? It's almost impossible. It's so hard to see our own sin. So just as an example, if you're noticing something in somebody else, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I did that two weeks in a row. I'm so proud. Like, you better, that's an, it could be an indicator that there is at least a version of that. Maybe it's smaller. Maybe it's suppressed. Maybe it's that you're not doing it, but you wish you could. <laughs> right? Ugh, they make me so mad having so much fun. Like, the, that's the elder brother. The elder brother in the prodigal son story. He had all the same sin, but he wasn't doing it. But he was miserable, right? He was just as lost, just as sinful. I never, I, you never gave me a goat. Ingratitude, you're at the frustration. You see what I'm saying? Okay, so <coughs> I didn't mean to call Kirk out. Now he left. Man, oh well, tell him I love him. Uh, so, <coughs> another book I've really loved. Remember when I did a sermon on the better than, worse than, need to be seen as, and um, I deserve? That, that concept comes out of a book called The Anatomy of Peace, which is 
making a lot of waves in our in our denomination. We're 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 studying it a lot as we try to navigate some of our entrenched conflict. And this is what this book says: that when we get into a conflict and we see somebody else as worse than us or as uh, the you know we, we get into a conflict, our heart our heart is at peace, but then we move to a heart of war against someone in our you know what I'm saying by this like it doesn't have to be fighting but we have a heart that is not peaceful towards a family member or a church member or uh, a co-worker or what have you a, a politician that easy that's almost too easy po- just say politics rah, you know we get a heart of war against those people all right and what this book teaches is that the way to get back to having a heart of peace. Because we think, in order for me to have a heart of peace, they've got to change. That's what happens. I mean, you see it in marriage counseling. When, when, when a couple gets to that place where they, maybe they still love each other, but they just can't get out of the cycle of, of, of difficulty, right? And, and we see it all the time. Both partners will get to a place where they're like, the problem is, they got to change. And the other person's going, no, they got to change, right? And what we're seeing in relationships is no change is possible in the other until you become willing to change within yourself. The only way for me to invite change in the other person is that I, I actually must change. And this makes us so mad sometimes, right? When it's when they've when they're clearly in the wrong and they've done damage. And again, this is not saying go carry their load, okay? Remember last week, like this is not saying be a doormat for abuse. Sometimes there are different forms of inviting change. But in order for us to invite change in you, this is just what Jesus says, right? First, take the plank out of your own eye, then you will be able to see clearly. So I know we've all probably got somebody in our life that we want to change. And, and, and this is just sort of a, it's a difficult exercise. And it can't really be done in a sermon, I don't think. Although I think the Holy Spirit can touch you right now and give you some clarity. But it's to ask yourself, okay, I'm stuck. We're stuck, and I don't like it. I don't like how it is. They probably don't like how it is. How, do I, how does my heart need to change? Even if they never change, what can I do in my heart to change so that I might invite the possibility of change in them? Does this make sense, what I'm saying? How, if we really care about our friends and our family and our loved ones, and I know we do, or a group of people, whatever it is, if we really care about them and we want things to change, we must be willing to first look at our own heart, invite God. I pray this prayer all the time. God, shine your light and your love on my heart. Jesus said, everything exposed to the light becomes light. Sorry, Jesus didn't say that. 
Paul said that. But Jesus could have said it. <laughs> I love that verse. Everything exposed to, do you hear it? It's deep. Everything exposed to the light becomes light. Whoa, baby. That's good stuff. I'm telling you that all that junk in your heart that you're like, I don't know how this gets worked out. I'm so mad at the way that they've treated me. Let's say it's an ex. <laughs> right? It's one thing to try to forgive your spouse, but your ex-spouse, come on. Surely Jesus doesn't expect that. Right? I would never expect you to forgive your ex. But, but Jesus might. I, right? That would be the kind of thing that Jesus would say to us, right? Would be first, and this is so hard. It's so hard. The person that mistreated you so badly. Like, if you'll say, God, oh, I, I, I'm, I see their stuff. Would you just shine your light and your love on my heart? Illuminate to me anything that is not of you. Help me to see things I cannot see. It's not any, here's, I don't think most people do this. And to our detriment, most Christians, I think, stop before this. But this is where the good stuff is. This is where the joy is. To be able to love people in your life, maybe from a distance, sometimes, but to be able to actually love people. The world doesn't know how to do this. And so much of the time, sadly, even the church doesn't know how to do this. But what if, what if we became the kinds of people, what if there was a church where we became less bitter and less angry and less frustrated over time? And we became a place of healing for all this junk be pretty cool, wouldn't it? I think it's very possible. I don't think Jesus gives us these teachings to be ignored. I, I really think, um, I, it's one of my favorite quotes, I forget who said it, Christianity has not been tried and found lacking. Christianity has been found difficult and left untried. And, and I just want to beg you to ask the Lord to shine His light on you and let's work on removing the junk from our own eyes, from our own hearts, from our behavior. And then maybe we'll be of, maybe we'll be of use to somebody else. Maybe not. But I think if we don't do this work, we don't have a shot. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for uh, just this. It's so, it's so simple, but it's so hard. It's so difficult. Uh, and Lord, you know, this is life. This is the rough and tumble of life. Is we, we have loves, we have relationships, we have family, you know, we have work, and, and we just have these relationships in our life. And, and we're all sinners, and so we all have struggles. 
And Lord, I, I, I just ask that you would please um, give us the grace to allow you to do heart surgery on us and you know, clean, out our, clean out our spiritual arteries. We want to be open vessels. We want to be clean, clear channels of your love and your joy and your grace and your peace. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.